Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Here's your host from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, we are the Get Savvy Club and we're on a mission to teach anyone in property how to get visible online. Why? So you can get deals, you can get direct bookings, you can find JV partners and investors, or if you're a realtor or estate agent, you can find new stock and ultimately you can make money. If you would like our help, just message us on info at getsavvyclub.co.uk or find us on social media. You are listening to a podcast interview and today we've got the awesome Jonathan Jay. Actually, he said he, he dropped out of university at 19 and never was employed ever. That's um, amazing that. Yeah, definitely. Because my daughter has expressed an interest in coming to work for Get Savvy Club now and then she does when she leaves college and I just say well you have to go and work first because you've got to like learn that discipline and you know work teaches you a lot when you're at that age so it's interesting that he's done it all without ever having like a real job as they say but yeah he's bought a lot of businesses and sold a lot of businesses now he helps people to do that and it's really interesting because by the end I know I'm really easy to sell to not that he was selling and I have said this to Anita loads before as well like this could be something we could look at she dismisses it when it comes to it from me but when it's Jonathan Jay for like half an hour, it's like, we should do that. Oh, really? I have said that. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's how it looks, doesn't it? It's how it vibrates. Yeah, no, because it. when you talked about it, you were talking about buying it as in to run it, whereas he's talking about buying a business. No, not, not to run even it. to run it. No. And um, to just, you know, make it better and no. sell it. I'm, I wouldn't think of it to run it because I wouldn't want a business to run because we ain't got time, have we? But yeah, mm. in that, that manner of like the way that he says it is like, surely everybody... But I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? Everybody could think they could do it, but actually, can you do it? You know, anybody can do it. Put your mind to it yeah. and you have somebody, the right person to help you learn the ropes, unless you want to make all the mistakes and learn them. And, yeah. but, you know, my I'm, I'm clever in a lot of ways. I'm stupid in a lot of ways, but I'm clever in that um, when I want to do something new, I go and look for who's really good at yeah. it. And I go and go and say, can you tell me everything you know and help me so, um, leapfrog all of that learning? And so, yeah, he's the kind of person that helps people with that. So it must be interesting, an interesting role. And he, he had some great stories, didn't he? But even if you've never considered buying a business mm. um, and you're still not thinking of buying a business, it's still worth listening to this because there's some interesting things in there. And I had no idea how easy it is. I wish I'd known stuff like this 20 years ago. Yeah. But oh God. Yeah. Definitely. We are where we are. So anyway, it's it's a really good episode. So let's get into it. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow, and subscribe. I dropped out of university when I was 19, and I've never worked for anyone else since. Wow. So I've always had to make my own way in life with without the the safety net of uh, of wealthy friends and family. I've been an entrepreneur, if you like, since, uh, let's see, was that like 32 years or something? Mm -hmm. So over the years, I've bought and sold different types of businesses. I sold a a publishing business um, in in 1999. Uh, I actually made more money the day I sold it than I had in the previous two and a half years of running it. So for two and a half years, (laughs) uh, I didn't get any money at all. And then a strategic buyer wanted to buy the business from me. And and that was uh, wonderful. I And possibly this is where we first uh, met Anna. I started a business in accredited adult education. It was a, a very fast growth business. We had one main competitor. And in 2006, I bought that competitor, merged their business with my business. And then the following year later, a year later, did um, a private equity deal that was a, a reasonably life-changing, so retirement uh, type deal. But I was only 37, I think. Oh. So retirement was the last thing for my mind. 
And then since then, I've bought and sold different businesses. I bought 48 businesses during the pandemic. People say to me, what advice would you give someone about buying 48 businesses during the pandemic? And I'd say, don't do it. Um, it was How stressful. did that come about? <laughs> too much, too fast. <laughs> it was stressful like you would not believe. I actually ended up in, in hospital hmm. uh, and it was just, uh, it was it was massively, uh, massively stressful. So uh, very successful. You still own all those? No, I don't. I passed my ownership over to my business. But I had a business partner in that uh, in that venture, and I had some some health issues, which I'm happy to to elaborate on. That uh, were all caused really by a huge amount of stress and probably a build up from several years. It wasn't just that that sort of one one event. Yeah. Um, so it was a, a very successful acquisition of 48 businesses. Not the world's most successful uh, sale, to be fair. But uh, uh, yeah, everything in life is a, a learning experience. It's all a payoff, isn't it? It is indeed. So if your health suddenly is more important than owning all these businesses, then that's what you've got to do. Yeah, I mean, for, for the very first time in my entire life, I thought maybe I'm not well. Because I, I never go to the doctor, fortunately. I don't really exercise very often, but I, but I seem to be sort of generally healthy. And for the first time ever, I thought, I am not well here. Mm. And uh, I have a seven-year-old daughter who, um, uh, who's really sort of the, the guiding uh, reason why I do everything that I do. And I thought, I don't want, want to be someone who, who drops dead of a heart attack. I do not want to be that person. So, yeah. And, and then for the past six, uh, actually seven years now, I've run uh, some training programs for people who, who want to buy businesses. And I love that. That isn't stressful. That's fun. I get to meet a great group of people get to help them on their journey and uh, and here we are today when people come to you and they it's a great idea to buy other businesses instead of trying to start your own <laughs> from, from somebody that's come it from is. starting lots of other ones it when i read about it and learn like from listening to you and things i think actually that would have been an easier route but a bit, a bit too late now but um what would is be it the too first late thing? are you sure no, i don't think it's no, no i mean late. it's not too late to do that as well but like i'm not turning back on the things that i've done <laughs> if that no, makes sense true. but yeah perhaps if i'd have known some of this stuff earlier on i would have um implemented some of it earlier on what would you say if anybody's thinking of starting in business and um, they're not keen to start their own but they would like to buy some businesses how on earth do they decide what industry to go into what would be the first things that they need to think about really sure well the, the best place to start is is with what you know so you buy something that you're familiar with because otherwise you've got two learning curves you've got the business buying learning curve and you've got the understanding the business that I now own learning curve. So definitely start with something that you know. It's very unusual that someone says, I don't know anything about anything. I mean, that is quite unusual. Uh, but for those people, I would say, if you're buying a business for business rather than for any other reason, then obviously the profitability of the business is important. So don't be too worried about the sector. Buy a business that's that's simple to understand, straightforward to understand, lots of businesses are, that adds an extra revenue stream and more money in your in your bank every month. So do you need money to buy a business? No, you don't. And I can say that so confidently because I've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people buy businesses and they didn't have the benefit of the money to start off with. They weren't fortunate. Yeah. When every, yeah, everyone always starts off thinking you need millions of pounds in the bank, hundreds of thousands of pounds in the bank. No, you yeah. don't. They think you need incredibly good credit. No, you don't. And I have clients from all walks of life who start, um, yeah, like, like I'm thinking of one particular person who's just had an amazing year last year. He was earning a, a wage as a, as a truck driver earlier in the year. In May of last year, he bought a 7 million revenue transport business so he went from the truck driver to the person who's the boss of the truck drivers, doing uh, seven hundred thousand pounds of annual profit. He paid one point seven million pounds for it, 
not a penny of his own money because he didn't have 1.7 million pounds. He refinanced the trucks in, in the business and put another 930,000 pounds in the bank. And his starting point was as a self-employed truck driver. He did buy in a sector that he understood. Yeah, He knew yeah, yeah. how it all worked. I mean, he'd been in that sector his whole life. So he knew how that worked. So he didn't go into it completely green, but he'd never bought a business before. So he just followed the process. I've got a system. He followed the system. He got the result. Uh, and the people who get the results are always the people who follow the system, follow the process. Always. Same with us. Same with anything, isn't it, right. in life? Right. Yeah. So is there like a, a formula to be able to look at a business and work out if it's worth buying? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess so. I mean, it depends which way you're coming at it. If you have an existing business and you're buying a business that is complementary or it's even the same type of business but in a different area or a different part of town, um, then you would look at that business and you would know pretty quickly how it operates, whether whether it's well run or not well run, because that's your that's your sector, that's your type of business. Yeah. I mean, you can, if you're in publishing and you look at another publishing business, you can figure out pretty quickly whether it's a, a good publishing business. If you don't know anything about that business, the best thing to do is have a sense of comparison. So you're talking to, to maybe six business owners, looking at six sets of accounts, six businesses, oh, yeah. and you can start to make a comparison. A little bit like interviewing people for a job. You need to interview more than one person, otherwise you don't know whether that's a good person for the job or not until you've met six people and you go, actually, person number four, that was the best person. Yeah. Or business yeah. number four, that was the best business. So do you own any businesses anymore? The 48 I exited in July last year, so about six months ago. I have the the training business. Mm -hmm. I have some property related businesses which aren't trading; they're more investment businesses. Uh, although one does have tenants, I suppose there is a trading element to that. Uh, and I'm just um, getting ready for the next big thing. But it'll be next year. I'm taking a year out. 2023 is the year of the uh, the holiday, and then next year back into the thick of it. Yeah, that, how lovely to take a year out as well and focus on, I guess, getting your health back to where you want it to be. Yeah, and yeah, Lily Seven and um every weekend we're at netball we're um she's doing a theater show at the moment oh, and... great social lives kids don't they oh i know i know <laughs> absolutely and it's uh, it's just being part of that as much as possible because you know only got one chance to do it dealing yeah, with the school it... emails as well the school likes to email quite a lot that's a that's a job oh, in itself emails, you know, last minute, last admin, admin from the school it's a full-time job, isn't it? I, I, yeah. I get what I get more WhatsApp messages from the school and from yeah. the uh this you know the school the parents group than any anywhere else yeah. yeah and also you know you're right to enjoy it because um my kids are 13 and 16 now and don't really want to spend any time with me not interested in me doing anything with them so you know enjoy those early years i am and i will but one thing that interests me about buying businesses is i've known people that own businesses where do people get this idea of how much their business is worth so i i've like there's one particular person i'm thinking of EBITDA. don't you love that word i don't really yeah. know much about it but i just i love it but do you think most business owners, because I think a lot of business owners are working in their business um, day to day, and they have this illusion that actually when they become at a point where they want to sell their business, maybe they want to retire, maybe they want to finish early, whatever it may be, they have this unrealistic expectation that they are going to get a big windfall at, at that time. And do you pretty much have to just be the person that smashes their dreams? Because actually, it's not a case that somebody's really going to come along with all yeah. that money and take it off their hands and they skip off. Oh, you see the person whose business makes fifty thousand pounds and they, they think it's worth a million i mean everyone likes yeah. round numbers 
notice when it comes to business valuations. No, 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 no one ever says a specific number. It's always a round number, usually yeah. with lots of zeros. And people use the wrong metrics to, to value their own business. They base it on how much effort they put in, how many hours they work, how long mm. they've owned it. It's all, it's all completely irrelevant. Yeah. They're they emotionally it, invested, aren't they? They love yeah, it. It's their baby. They set it up yeah. in 19... 19- yeah, yeah. they're based on potential yeah. and, what, and what's yeah. going to happen in the future where it's how much did the business make in the last 12 months? And then if we take the owner out, is the business going to survive without the owner? Is it going to collapse? Small businesses typically are very fragile. Is it a small business? If it's a small business, it's worth an awful lot less than a larger, more substantial, robust business. Uh, And people, as you say, need to get get really emotionally involved with it. And it's all about what they feel rather than the reality of, of, of what it is. And, you know, people get quite, you know, if a business is making 50,000 a year, it's probably only worth about 50,000, to be fair, maybe even less. Yeah. And then people say, well, I may as well hold on to it. But I thought you wanted to sell it. But they only want to sell it if they make a million. But, you know, it's not all about the money. Quite often it's the freedom, it's retirement, it's, uh, it's, it's health and all those sorts of things. But it's about creating a deal, isn't it, that helps both parties, really, whoever's taking it over and also the person that's letting it go, the, or the people that are letting it go, I guess, and make sure yeah. everybody wins and everybody's happy at the end of the process. Yeah, so a business is really only worth what someone is prepared to buy it for and what someone's mm. prepared to sell it for. Uh, and you just want that meeting of minds. Yeah, so, some people do take a little bit of um, persuading and some people are beyond hope. I mean, they're just, I mean, it is delusional sometimes. And I've, I've had these conversations, I've had hundreds of these, com- hundreds and hundreds of these conversations. And you, 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 get, you get a sense after a while, the person who is so stuck in their ways and yeah, think, think, yeah, they want, they want four million pounds for something that is just, well, it's, it's never going to be worth four million pounds. And are, at the moment, are there any sectors that you think, bearing in mind all the changes that have happened recently, what sectors do you think are good ones to start looking at? Well, instead of thinking sector, I always think business is in the sector. Because if you look mm. at any sector and you say, well, for example, dental, den- dentists, fantastic set of dentists, mm. they're all making loads of money. No, they're not. You've got some dentists doing well and some dentists doing badly. Take mm. any sector and you have you know, digital marketing, some people doing well, some people doing badly and every- everyone else in between. So it's not so much a sector is the secret of success. It's a business in that sector. Ideal in an ideal world, you're looking for a B2B business, so it sells to other businesses. It has fixed assets, so it has some sort of so, something that you can actually you can hold on to. It's got recurring revenue or long contracts, uh, and it ticks all those boxes. Um, I also say to people for their first acquisition, something that's completely counterintuitive, because what people often do at the beginning is they they aim really low. So they they go for a business that's similar size to their own or a number that's in their comfort zone. So they say, yeah, I'm going to buy a business that does £200,000 in annual revenue. But £200,000 at a, at a 20% net net margin is only £40,000 a year. I mean, that's yeah. a salary. That's not a business. Yeah. But if you take a million pound turnover business making 20%, that's 200000 That starts to move the needle. That starts to pay off the mortgage. And the yeah. thing is, it's easier to buy the £1 million business than it is to buy the £200,000 business. It's easy to get the finance. You've got better management team. You've got greater visibility over the financials. They're just better businesses. Why are they better? Because they've done something that the smaller business hasn't done. They've achieved scale. They've got a methodology of bringing in clients. They've been in business for a number of years. You know, they, they've been more successful. So they're actually easier to buy. Now, you might pay more, but if it's not money out of your own pocket because we're using different funding methods, does it really matter as long as the number still makes sense? Yeah. Would you try and when you say fixed assets there, then would you try and recommend that they buy the businesses that are already within a property or the property comes with the business as part of it? So then you've got yeah, that. Property that can be part of it. 
um, yeah, equipment, machinery, trucks, forklift trucks. I just had a client buy his first acquisition. He, he paid £10 million for this business, and but it had £6 million of, of plant and machinery uh, in the oh. business. Something to do with breaking up concrete. I, I don't really understand it, but it's uh, yeah. um, uh, lots, lots, of heavy, lots of heavy equipment. But then I've also got people who are buying digital marketing businesses and um, uh, businesses without any without any assets, you just use a different methodology. Yeah. So I don't know anything about this, but in terms of financing that, you can do it without having any money. Is it similar, do you think, to explain it in like simplistic terms, similar to a mortgage whereby they look yeah. at how it works and then they make sure that if it all goes tits up, they've got enough money to get out? Is it? Is that how you finance Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's different types of finance. So it's asset finance if you've got assets. Um, there might be some sort of commercial mortgage if there's a if there's a property. If it's B two B and they're invoicing their clients and their invoice is outstanding, which of course there always will be, you can finance against those invoices, get like an advance on those invoices. If the business has cash in the bank, we can use that as part of the payment for the business. If the business has very strong future cash flows, recurring cash flows, we can get something called cash flow finance. There's so many different creative ways that we can do this, but they all end up at the same point, which is you buy the business without risking your own house, putting in your life savings and you know, raiding the piggy bank. And are they looking at you as a person as well and judging whether you're a good... Yeah, uh, lenders yeah. typically do. Um, yeah, if, if you're going to be borrowing hundreds of thousands, millions of pounds from them, they want to know that it's in safe hands. So if you've got previous experience of that sector, a track record, absolutely. Uh, mm. Some lenders, they'll come in only on your second acquisition. So you've got to prove that prove that you're not just all talk and you've you've done it and you've done it successfully on the first one and then they'll come in on the second and third so yeah absolutely being investable is very very important and that's just how you portray yourself and the, your, your professionalism really it's a whole new world isn't it and i think that um it's a shame people don't realize that you can do it without any money um and so more people who've just worked in a business and really understand it and you know love it think that they could one day own it but you'd never think like that the average kind of person on the street doesn't think like no that, no I, I, absolutely i mean yeah there's a big jump between the typical employee mindset and the business owner mindset then there's a jump between the business owner mindset and the investor mindset so if it's a pyramid you've got the majority of people in the uk or in the world are, are employees of other people uh, those other people form the next layer and then the people who are investing and buying businesses that other people run people below them on the pyramid mm-hmm. are just that, that top top one percent then you got the Illuminati. Apparently so. The yes. Whole lot. Run, of... <laughs> running, running it all Everything else. Oh, I feel like this will get shut down if I say that word. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get that out, out of the podcast, otherwise it will get stopped somewhere. Along I'm not there. sure we're on anyone's along radar. The... You never know. They're they're listening everywhere. They're listening everywhere. They're onto everyone. Do you always do this? There? Did you always do? So you've always worked for yourself. How did you pick what to do first? How did you know which business to go for first? Well, I, I didn't. So hmm. I remember quite clearly the point that I wanted to be in business properly was in 1996 and Richard Branson's first biography had just come out and I've still got that particular copy from 1996 on on the bookshelves behind me as I was reading that I realized that he had what I call a proper business which worked without you being there so it it actually made money and carried on its activities without you having to to be there every day I was out of the UK at that point and when I got back to the UK I set up this uh, the publishing business the one that the one that I sold and it didn't really bother me what I did 
it was, you know, you start with, you know, what can I do? You know, what do I have some sort of knowledge of? What would what would make make sense to get started? And that's obviously going to be different for everyone. But I think the most important thing is to just get started. I think people put it off for the right business, the right timing, the right everything. And there is no such thing as the perfect timing. Now is the best time. Is that one of the things that you feel that the people that come to you get stuck in is get the very first one? Do you find it's, it's just yeah, easier? Just, yeah. yeah. The first one's the hardest because it's all it's all about getting the mindset right and believing yeah. you can do it. Once you've done it, it's, it's like the, the, the four-minute mile story, isn't it? Yeah. No, no one could break the four-minute mile until someone did it. And they go, well, actually, we can run a mile in four minutes as well. And then other people started to, mm. to break the four-minute mile. It's exactly the same situation. So I'm interested. And you say that you did a deal which in your 30s, which was like retirement money, and you never needed to work again. Anyone I've ever heard who's done a similar thing kind of really openly talks about the fact that it was a massive anticlimax and you build up yeah. to that moment and then you look at it and you go oh is that it and it doesn't leave you very fulfilled and and I imagine it's similar to you because you're still working how was that yeah I remember it quite clearly actually because it was more about the six months of diligence because it was a private equity buyer so so the due diligence was was robust, shall we say. Six months of that process, of that sales process, I was just so glad it was over and all the stress was over. It wasn't about money at all at that point. Mm. It was about, I just want this stress to be over. Freedom. Getting so I guess they were asking for like a lot of detailed information. It's forensic. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And do you miss yeah. that business? I do sometimes a, a little bit, actually. It was a really good business. And yeah, I probably, probably didn't realise at the time how good a business it was. And um, I was still running today. You know, so, so that's you know, 24 years. Was that years the publishing later. business? No, this was a business called the Coaching Academy. It was and probably still is the largest coach training school in the world, all yeah. sort of accredited uh, adult learners. And I, I'm very proud that 24 years after I started it, it's still going strong. I mean, yeah. not many businesses last 24 years. Particularly in like the competitive environment that is coaching and training and, and all of that. Yeah, exactly. Training. What advice would you give to somebody who thinks, oh, I probably can't do that? Buy a business? Yeah. They're probably right then, because if you think you can, you, can. <laughs> you can't. Um, so it depends really whether you want to. It, it requires yeah. effort, it requires some time, it requires some dedication. You've got to learn some things. If it's something that you want to do, then you do it. And if it's something you're not really bothered about, then you won't. And to be fair, it's a minority of people that, that do. Yes. But it's a minority of people of anyone in of any walk in anything in life that do actually do things. And a lot of people talk yeah. about it. There's a big difference between the eighty percent that talk and the twenty percent that do. It's your choice. Do you want to be in the eighty percent or do you want to be in the twenty percent? You just have to make a conscious decision. And if it's that easy, more people would be doing it, wouldn't they? Sometimes yeah, worthwhile, I, things are a bit difficult. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly not easy. Um, it's straightforward when you've got a process, when you've got a system. Yeah. And, uh, but it does, it does require effort. It requires a certain type of person. I mean, you've got to have a, a bit of ambition about you. You've got to have good people skills. You've got to be a curious person. You've got to be interested in the owner and the business. There are sort of barriers to entry, I suppose, in terms of the type of person that you that you need to be. But we've now got, ever since uh, the pandemic, and we started doing things on, on Zoom, 50% of our clients are from, from all around the world, from Canada, North America. Yeah. I've got a huge following in Australia. I was actually on an Australian podcast last night. Yeah, Incredibly. Right. 
11 o'clock at night, I was recording this Australian podcast, stifling my yawns. And this is the wonderful thing these days about using podcasts and videos and, and, and technology is that, you know, we've got a worldwide audience. We just have to go and find it. How long have you had your podcast? Four years. So we've done about 215 episodes, I think. What's the favourite part of having the podcast? Um, it's uh, since September, we started doing the interviews in a studio and it's actually meeting oh. the people face to face that I'm interviewing. Oh, yeah. And, and actually spending, because we can do a longer interview, you know, we can do an hour and we split it into two half hour podcast episodes. And that's great because most of the people I interview are actually my clients. So some of them I'm actually meeting for the first time because oh, wow. I've only ever known them on Zoom during the pandemic. They're like, I met last week, uh, I met a guy called Darren. Darren bought 21 hairdressing salons in eight months. Now that wow. is incredible. All were closed because of the pandemic, and then he had to open them all up at the same time. Huge amount of work, but he's got the largest hairdressing group in the south of England. Massive um, falls doing that during a pandemic. Impressive. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, this is the thing. You know, some people took a step back. Some people took a step forward. Some people waited for it to be over. Some people said, oh, I'm just going to get on with, with life regardless. So, you know, different people, different things. And, you know, he's, he's got an, an amazing business as a result. Uh, what's your podcast called? It's called Business Buying Strategies. And who, who else is a um, best students, if you like? You've got Darren there who else yeah so so uh, Gavin up in Manchester he's he's bought eight printing companies uh John's bought six healthcare businesses Chris has bought he's in Manchester as well Chris has bought um 15 online businesses that primarily sell on the internet Alison's just bought her first hardware shop and she's she's embarking on a group of hardware shops Joanne's bought five accountancy businesses and I could go on and on there were just scores and scores and and scores of them i know it makes me want to buy some uh, marketing agencies let's do it <laughs> I, yeah, I did yeah. say that to you ages ago yeah well you know what my thing about marketing agencies though is like i really get it and i really understand the concept of this you know when you talk about like how you talk about like the truck business or the construction or whatever but my worry about like say marketing businesses is the fact that like and i know what you it has made more sense but having you on the podcast and talking to you here but my my worry is the fact that um there's nothing tangible that like there isn't at least if you're buying something and it's got like that that building there you've got that building you mean assets yeah the assets are there but with a digital marketing agency not so much but you've kind of covered that by saying well you go for a bigger something bigger so that it's actually yeah. already got those um those things in place and as long as they're not relying on the the face of the business and that's why they're with them so that then when the contracts come to an end they're like well Polly doesn't run it anymore so we don't want to stay which is again it. why you go bigger as well because yeah. that's not going to be the, the smaller case. businesses where it's all about yeah. one person personality so I, I bought a digital marketing business in 2016 uh, it was doing five million of annual revenue which was down a bit a few years earlier it was doing eight million hmm. uh, it was really poorly run really poorly managed it was owned by a, a private a london-based private equity firm and i bought that as a distressed acquisition it was actually losing money but i never recommend to anyone they buy a business that's losing money it's not a beginner's strategy by any means yeah. uh, it's not doesn't suit everyone uh, but i knew why it was losing money and, and and i thought i knew how to fix it i bought the entire group uh, so there's i think it was seven businesses in the group i bought the group for a pound because I took over the uh, the liabilities, yeah. I managed the liabilities, re restructured the group, and ended up with a smaller business, three million revenue, but it was all recurring. It was all SEO and advertising spend, uh, advertising revenue. And I sold that to a digital agency up in the northwest 
of England in in Cheshire in excess of a of a well quite quite a bit over a million uh, pounds eleven months after buying it. Wow. So for me, I didn't want to own it. I did well, I wanted to own it, but I didn't want to run it. I didn't want it in my portfolio. I yeah. just wanted to to buy it, fix it, and sell it on. Which, to be fair, is harder than it sounds. Mm-hmm. It's not faint hearted. I wouldn't recommend it. I probably wouldn't do it again. To be fair, uh, it was it was a it was a hard. For that eleven months, were you essentially in that business sorting it out? Well, I I um so I live in in West London, and the business is in Rugby in is, is that Warwickshire? Near so, right near yeah. me. Yeah, oh, we're in really? Leicestershire, so yeah, not far. From oh right, so in the, in the Midlands. So I think I went up once a week. It feels about right. I had I put someone in a business coach that I knew. Um, I got him to run it for me basically sort of babysit it while I found, found a buyer. The idea was to buy it and then sell it as quickly as possible. Do you know, you've inspired me. Maybe we maybe we should talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, it's intriguing. It's my background, so I've spent 25 years working. I've never worked agency side, only client size, but I've worked with agencies from all sizes, local, London, you know, media agencies and agencies and things i feel i understand it okay yeah. well that's a great that's a great start as a very you can't get better than that as a starting mm. point and mm. to be fair with what we do there's lots of people that want that but it's not something we actually do so if we bought yeah. something that we could just send like cross sell across to there to say actually we'd with what we do we don't do that but however this agency does and pass that pass them business as well perhaps do that yeah exactly if you've got a route a route to market then uh, that could be a, an interesting way of getting new clients into into the business i mean ideally what you want is to buy a business that that as it stands the day you buy it if you change nothing it carried on making money you'd be happy yeah um, the thing that puts me off is people you know all choosing <laughs> that's everything <laughs> um dealing with just dealing dealing with people being fair to people but not you know having to pander to <laughs> snowflakes yeah well, last summer I had 375 staff and um, it was a nightmare. I'm not that way inclined. I'm not a people person at all. Yeah, it was it was uh, difficult. And yeah. the legislation that goes alongside it, you know, sometimes it's not even about using common sense and being fair to people, is it? It's about following oh, some yeah. random yeah. rules. Every day there was something, yeah. There was people a, of different yeah. contracts. And, and I, I don't think I'm a people person, but compared to Anna, I'm like completely personable. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I am. I would say the opposite. I would say I'm more of a person. But it depends, doesn't it? I don't, yeah. Uh, in terms of like having staff, no, no. Yeah. That's not for me. That's what no. we're talking about. Yeah, that bit of it. But I'm that. Yeah, saying I'm not a people person. I'm very much a people person, but only if they're my type of people. No, or we're talking got, about managing or, staff. But, yeah, aren't we? but you it, openly in terms say of like you just managing, hated I was, terri- having... I was a terrible manager because I just said, "Well, why can't you just get better?" So it's not a very good way of like trying to encourage people. Or and even though I read the yeah. books and tried and whatnot, I just. I think, and especially it doesn't, I think I'd be okay managing in America because in America, if you can't do the job, you can just let them go. In this country, you can't do that. You have to, you know, follow oh, rules no. and whatever. And there's pros and there's cons. I suppose that, you, get, but, you, know. you get a good person in to run it like you did. And then yeah. that takes that a lot of that away. Yeah, you'd need that, wouldn't you? What? A, yeah, so you're very much an investor of the business and the owner of the business, not any kind of running of the business and managing the staff and things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Absolutely. And if you know you're not very good at that at the start, then that's even better. You won't get dragged into it. Interesting. Maybe we should have a chat with you at some point. I know. I actually got something in the post from you, Jonathan. We was, you were going to go, has that happened yet? Or is that about to happen? Where you're having a, a big um, event in some old stately home last, of some sort? Has it weekend. just been? Yeah. How last did it go? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it was amazing. The event was 95% my clients and 5% me sort of hosting it. Oh. And uh, it was my clients doing sessions throughout the, the weekend. It was quite phenomenal. It was just it was just the right people. Uh, it was the, the speakers were in the right order. It really came together very, very nicely. I, I, it was a it was a one off event. So many people have since said, are you going to do it again? When's yeah, the next I'm, one? I'm, I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Maybe in the summer. Because we would, yeah, when when it came through, I thought it was really close to the time. I thought, oh, you know, I wouldn't be able to get to that. But I did think there could be something we could do. Uh, Maybe we could have a chat about this after the podcast or something. But in terms of us helping you with that as well and maybe bringing something to the table in terms of people using social media to to raise their profile in terms of trying to acquire businesses Mm -hmm. and obviously Mm -hmm. in the midst of running businesses too. So that that could be an option. So Mm -hmm. apart from uh, being with your seven-year-old this year, what else uh, are you doing or you uh, are you doing anything at all business-wise? Like, I'm just thinking of people that are listening to this podcast now. This will probably go out, I don't know, we're recording it in February, January. Probably, yeah, probably end of February, start of March. But what if people are listening to it, where would you direct them? Would you just direct them to your podcast or? Yeah, I, actually, um, to my YouTube channel. So okay. I've got about 170 videos all about buying a business. And uh, each of those videos has a link in the description to a free training course. It's 45 minutes. Um, and after you've watched that, you either want to do it or you don't want to do it. It's a yeah. great way of making making your mind up. Uh, so anyone can take that. There's no obligation. Have a look at that and, and find out whether business buying is for you. Yeah. yeah, so that's a good start for them to go to. So we always ask two questions on this podcast. Um, first one being for you to recommend a book that's helped you along your entrepreneurial journey in some way, shape or form. Uh-huh. I have one right here. It's cool. called How to Turn Dust into diamonds oh nice and uh written by uh david oric of the oric vacuum cleaner um, empire in the united states worldwide Uh, at the time of writing this book which was about 10 years ago uh he'd sold 10 million vacuum cleaners not bad um uh, completely you you can't you can't go into a store and buy an oric vacuum cleaner you either get some direct mail through the post or you see an infomercial on on tv and when he wrote this book which is quite phenomenal uh, he's 90 years old and i had to look him up on wikipedia mm. and he's still going strong so what's his name again david oric o r e c k and it is so full of business common sense it really is absolutely fantastic wow. highly recommended and is, is he never bothered selling them in like stores has it always been in this and there was a uh, there was a particular strategic reason why he didn't it was all about you know the, the stores were dominated by the large players so he yeah. said well if i if i can't if i can't beat them in the stores i'll go straight to the consumers directly mm. um which is which is what he did and that's always been their method of selling vacuum cleaners yeah well we had someone on who'd had a successful business selling i can't remember what it was but it started kind of by accident and then the stores got interested and as soon as she started selling in store oh, yeah. she just had like a 400 page document she had to agree to and sign with them and then there was all these clawback rules if people return and it just turned her yeah. life into a misery and she gave up the business oh, yeah. you know, okay. I, I can understand why he does that yeah that's booking me now i can't be i should have i can't remember well, what she was saying it was something to do with children and safety wasn't it but it was like just yeah, something and she, she, was, and she, was not, and, she went from the uk was she she was based somewhere in america um, or something we were like oh my god yeah they like own you no, she, was in the the UK. Time, she was talking about boots and um oh yeah okay. if you well maybe she yeah. had a Maybe she was here, but she had a 
Maybe different accent true. but anyway yeah yeah, uh, yeah so uh, anyone yeah. that goes right stuff it i'm going to bypass them and go straight to the consumer and that yeah. actually makes that success it takes you a long time for them to agree to have your oh, product yeah. in, in, in there you know it's always like 18 months or something before they say yes and to them when it's actually in the and store and you're putting your hands in uh, you're putting your business in their hands so yeah. if they want to um you know if you're going to be bumped for a, a larger competitor you're out that's the end of your or even suddenly an own brand version of what you sell that's at yeah, eye exactly level on, that, the, yeah. on the shelf rather than yours at the bottom so exactly. you're very vulnerable aren't you yeah. yeah and the other question is what makes you savvy what makes me savvy yeah because yeah. we are the um, savvy club so what makes me savvy is um i listen to what my customers want and make sure that I give it to them. It sounds really simple, but listening is um, an old <laughs> skill that not many people employ anymore, particularly in businesses. They lose the ability, exactly. don't they? Yeah. Yes. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow, and subscribe. Jonathan is a great person to to sort of follow if you have got any desire to go and buy businesses at any point in your life, even if you're like, ah, oh, because. To scale up by buying other businesses is a faster way of getting where you want to be without people. Are, they always say, don't they? People are crazy that set their own businesses up because actually, why not try and get involved in one that's already running and is, is successful rather than go from like nothing to making money? Yeah, if you can handle the stress, I imagine it's pretty stressful and quite anxiety. I mean, he has done it all his life and he did it on a grand scale and it made him ill and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So I, I imagine it at is, that time. It's not for the faint-hearted, but nothing that's got big rewards is ever that easy, is it? So um, definitely worth exploring, I think. I'm going to explore it anyway. Yeah, because I actually sent him a couple of leads at one point when he was buying these nurseries because he was prolific. He was a lot on LinkedIn talking about how he wanted to get this, like, nursery empire, as in, like, nurseries like children, guys, not gardens. You have garden nurseries, don't you, plants and stuff. Yeah. He was actually, like... It's always found it a bit funny that that's the same word, isn't it? Nursery for plants and nursery for kids. I remember, because I didn't didn't really know that, that that was a thing. And then I had a client meeting at a nursery, right? This was years ago. This was like when I was in my early 20s. And I went along in my head thinking, oh, I'm going to a nursery. So my understanding of a nursery was I was going somewhere where there was going to be a bunch of kids. Got there. And I thought, Much oh, nicer this cafe, no screaming like kids. And there was no kids. It was all green. And the guy had worked there for like since he left school and it was like part of the business. <laughs> like, Why do you call it a nursery though? Like, yeah, not it's a nursery. Bizarre. It's just a bunch of plants. And he must have thought, what? Because that's his life. So that's how like, I just, yeah, it's quite funny. They learned a lot on the job back in the day yeah so jonathan's book he recommended was how to turn dust into diamonds which again oh, yeah. looks really interesting never um, so heard if you that want one. to win that then just screenshot this episode put it on social media tag us and uh, you may win the book and whatever it is you're doing for the rest of today enjoy it whatever time it is and um see you on the next podcast see you on bye. The next one. bye that was property marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club if you enjoyed it connect with us on social media Just search Get Savvy Club.